Welcome to another episode of the NPCs Discuss, where we talk about the video game industry, events, history, controversies, and more. On today's episode, NFTs, or non-fungible tokens, has been the latest buzzword and craze across the internet for months. While it seems NFTs have been focused on digital art, it hasn't stopped others from thinking about what is next in the space of blockchain-backed assets. Konami, Ubisoft, and even GameStop have all announced efforts to join in the NFT space, with Ubisoft suffering some backlash from fans about their attempts to include NFTs in Ghost Recon. Some companies have outright refused to allow NFTs on their platform, namely Valve, due to the concerns of this new market. What does an NFT look like in gaming, and what could it become as this new industry is explored? At the start of 2022, the NPCs have to ask, what the NFT is up with gaming? We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor, Anchor.fm. And we're back. Welcome, everybody, to the first NPCs Discuss episode of 2022. My name is Travis, and of course, as always, I am joined by my co-host and my partner on this podcast, Kyle. Hey, Kyle. What's up? Happy New Year to you, Kyle. Well, Happy New Year to you as well. Even though we've talked of course outside of all of this as well right. you know but hey but this being works, the right? uh, first cast of the uh official year oh yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. so we have decided of course to start off 2022 with discussing nfts now you're probably asking yourself what is an nft well an nft stands for non-fungible token an NFT is a cryptographic asset on a blockchain with unique identification codes and metadata that distinguish them from each other. Unlike cryptocurrencies, they cannot be traded or exchanged at equivalency. What this is all from is from Investopedia talking about exactly what an NFT is. Of course, it's all buzzwords. It's all a lot of, to be perfectly honest, it's all of what's taking up the news as of late. Uh, we've got, we're talking, of course, we're all in the gaming space here. So of course we're really focused on the gaming part, but it honestly feels like every day you turn on the news, you're reading an article online, you're looking at Twitter, you're on social media, wherever, and there's some sort of talk about NFTs and it has now invaded the lexicon with gaming, especially. So let's kind of jump in here to some of this. So I have this up here, Kyle, I've got a link there for you in our our uh, note stock about mm -hmm. NFT statistics. And this was last updated on December 29th. So it's only about a week or so old in regards to its actual data. So now this is specifically focused, of course, on non-game NFTs because that market is still kind of really starting to figure itself out. I mean, a lot of it is just kind of ideas on how things can work in gaming, but Let's check some of this out here, Kyle. And if you see something there that kind of perks your interest that we should probably talk about and share here from this statistics list, you know, please speak up. Yeah, uh, no, but, for sure. But there's some stuff here, of course, that it says the uh, real most expensive NFT sold for nearly $92 million. So the name of this website, and I don't, I'll give this a grain of salt because I don't know exactly what this website really is, but I'm going with it because it seemed to be pretty comprehensive. It's influencermarketinghub.com. And they say, at the time of writing this article, the most expensive NFT ever to be sold is the Merge by PAC. It was sold for $91.8 million on Nifty Gateway in December 2021. $91.8 million. That's insane. And I've never even heard of Nifty Gateway. 
Is that like an auction site or? If I'm right, this is actually supposed to be some sort of NFT trading house. Oh, okay. So effectively, so let's, we got that number out there. Um, we could take your, a look at a couple others and I'll come back to this here. Um, Cause I have a, I have a thought brewing right now, but I'll come back to it. Um, NFT trading volume added up to nearly $11 billion in quarter three, 2021. So $11 billion, of course, for NFT trading, which is ridiculous. And just the, the amount that some people are spending on some of these things here is just obscene. Is there a number you're seeing here that just kind of blows your mind too? Well, just all of it. Uh, you know, most expensive meme, uh, just a meme was $4 million. So, I mean, that that's just, that that, that could be like any stupid picture you know that that someone's uh for instance the little girl with the the burning house that mm-hmm. that that could be an nft and 4 million dollars just for that picture that's a picture someone actually took by the way yeah and i think there's even been some other nft type stuff like that too um oh here's an interesting one and this actually relates to our topic because of course we're focused on video games so it's mm-hmm. number 20 here in the list more than a third of esports fans are interested in NFTs. And here's what the rest of this little blurb says. In the middle of March 2021, 2,200 respondents were surveyed about their, inter- uh, about their interest in collecting NFTs either as a hobby or an investment. The results revealed that esports fans were the most interested in collecting NFTs. Slightly over 20% stated that they were very interested, while 35% indicated that they were somewhat interested. With regards to the age group, millennials were most likely to invest in NFTs, um, and only 2% of baby boomers indicated they collected NFTs. I don't know why that's there, but maybe they were kind of ga- like gathering some more metrics, especially because of the potential frequency of like games, including it, though, too. Well, and I, I wonder if part of that is uh, may, maybe with esports or, and like just sports in general has to do with like the emergence of like Top Deck. Uh, I believe it was Top Deck was the first one to to come out with basically like trading card videos online that you could buy and collect and it essentially an nft but uh it's blown up beyond that and i I wonder if maybe that that's kind of run off from that maybe i mean it's very possible that could be the case just Um, being a more digital uh platform maybe so very well could be the case so let's let's kind of talk about this we at least threw some numbers out there and these are some massive numbers uh one of the other Mm -hmm. things here that it actually does say in this kind of collection of information on the statistics here is that most uh what is it that most nfts are usually around like yeah they sell for less than two hundred dollars which you know you'd figure Mm -hmm. for like you know like if you're as an example of course getting into the stock market you're unless you have the money on you you're not going to go buy 10 shares of amazon right off the bat because those are very expensive shares you're going to start working your way small to the things that have potential growth and are going to be easy to get into where you can take like say 200 to 300 dollars and buy more than one stock you know in a company that you want to invest in you're not just going to go buy one and then just sit on it and see what happens uh that's the thing here is that's why you're seeing it's like the majority of nfts sell for less than 200 dollars. that's what their statistic here at least is looking at now when it comes to the nft stuff and of course tracking all of this it's just the same as the rest of of the cryptocurrency environment is that 
it's all done through the blockchain environment. So blockchain essentially is a ledger. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's probably a better definition of this. I'm going off of what I know. Um, it's uh, the blockchain itself, of course, is all uh, technology behind the scenes to be able to link the information together to keep a ledger running of the different transactions that are actually occurring across the blockchain itself. Um, you know what? Let's just get a definition up because I know I'm messing that up. This is why I shouldn't do that anymore. All right. Blockchain, a system in which a record of transactions made in Bitcoin or another cryptocurrency are maintained across several computers that are linked in a peer-to-peer -peer network. Okay, so ledger, record. Okay, so that's the whole point is that it's maintaining exactly like what's going on in these transactions, of course, and allowing things to be kept, uh, like everything record-wise to be kept. And of course, shared across the, like it says, peer-to-peer -peer network. So in reality right now across the internet. So you can't necessarily have like a, at least I would think a falsified ledger. Now, because it follows the crypto side of things, um, that means, of course, there's got to be a way to store these digital assets. It's not like having a $20 bill, putting it in your pocket and, and going off and doing something. You need a marketplace or at least a wallet of some type to be able to store your assets in. You need you need something to be able to house those things that you're putting money into. And that's where you have these clearing houses, but you also have these different like NFT wallets, NFT platforms that allow you to basically hold on to it there. But even so with the ledger, your name and your rights are tied into that ledger. So anybody can go and look and say, well, this NFT is tied to this person here via this crypto address here. It's the same way like with the cryptocurrency wallets is that you have a you have a uh, crypto wallet address where people can like send and receive money from in that. So, um, but even with that, Let's kind of move on here, of course, because we, we generalized at least a little bit on, on NFTs here and kind of going on to a little bit more than maybe we should on that part. But we want to focus on the gaming side, right, Kyle? Right. And I, I don't know. I, I guess part of the confusion for me, like I understand what, what the NFTs are, but when when you own the NFT, I, I get where it might apply to gaming a little bit more per like items necessarily but where some of the the direction it's gone is kind of weird but what exactly does it give you i mean like it's supposed to give you the image or you know protection over that image that's particularly stamped but you know what if someone else uses that image i guess i that's the thing i didn't really understand but well, I, way... I guess it's kind of vague you know so the way i had read about it is that someone was making a comparison to um, art houses and um, art sales of old, is that you can't necessarily buy the Mona Lisa, mm -hmm. but you can buy reproductions. You can buy copies of it. You know, people have gone and made that, so you can hang up a Mona Lisa on the wall. Like, there, there might be a painting out there made by someone famous that one person owns, but just because that one person owns it doesn't necessarily mean that they can't make money off of it still, though, in some form, is that right. they can offer, like, licensed duplicates of it instead of someone being, like, at the, the Louvre, you know, taking a picture of the Mona Lisa from behind the barrier. They can, you know, they can make a, a print of what that painting is. And then resell it basically like, okay, you can buy it for this much, you know, instead of actually owning the full thing, which is going to cost you 10 to $15 million. Mm -hmm. you know, it really falls into that same vein. Uh, that's at least the, what I see about it, though, is that you're kind of owning it. Now, it, it all ties back into a lot of the stuff that like we've been hearing buzzword wise 
really for like the last year is not only just NFTs, but it's also the metaverse stuff. It's and it's Web3 blockchain. Well, blockchain really is the behind the scenes stuff anyway, though, too, that, yeah. that drives all of this. But you're absolutely right is that, you know, it all goes hand in hand because the supposed understanding of what Web3 is going to be is that Web3 is going to be really talking about digital ownership. Web 1.0 was more so the introduction to the internet itself, is that devices were connected up, you had some basic things that were going on, um, not necessarily a lot that was really happening with the internet. But then we had the Web 2.0 revolution where you started to get into the things like social media, you started to get into way more of your online content, your your video, your streaming, your uh, the amount of content that we consume online, you know, that's really what web 2.0 is. Now web 3.0 is taking a lot of these things and transitioning it into more so of the ownership of assets within a digital space, because that's where, that's where the next phase of things is, is supposedly going. I, I don't know. I, I will admit right now, I do own a little bit of crypto just because I had some funny money. I threw some out there and I've, I've lost money on it, but I don't care because that's money. I don't care about. It was a very small mm -hmm. amount. It was under hundred bucks. I just bought some stuff. I'm like, let's just see what happens. Okay. That's, that's it for me. I didn't go and get a second mortgage on the house to go buy, you know, Dogecoin when it was up at high. And then now I've, I've got to move out of my home. I don't have anything like that. All I'm saying is that like I've dabbled in it, but I'm not at a ma major, like win or lose scenario out of all of it. Right. But that, that's all it is. It's just, it's, it's ownership of digital assets, Kyle. So, and that's, what's kind of coming down to these things in gaming now. So that's why a lot of the news we've been seeing, especially over the last, what feels like only a month and a half, really is about like Ubisoft, Konami, Square Enix, and even just in the last couple of days, GameStop, you know, mm -hmm. coming up and saying, hey, we're going to start working this NFT angle. So let, let's kind of dive, I guess, into some of that on on exactly what companies are are really thinking about NFTs, what companies are kind of looking at NFTs, like, are we really sure about this? And then we could kind of talk about maybe our approach to NFTs, maybe in the sense of like what gaming could be, um, you know, like I, I know, of course, like you had said there, Kyle, you're not really fully versed on it, but I think after we get through some of this, you might have an idea of what you might actually see as like a viable or recognizable NFT instead of it being one of these art things that Logan Paul, for some reason, decides to go spend $80 million on for whatever reason. I'm just yeah, ridiculous number. You know, honestly, with with GameStop hopping in the game, and it was kind of pre podcast. I, we were having the conversation over over just uh, Messenger that I said it, it kind of reminds me of you know the days that that GameStop actually sold the uh, clip art floppy disks and CD ROMs. You know, you had to go buy actual clip art to use in Word to have good graphics if you were going to do a project for something. Hmm. See, I didn't know they did anything like that. That's actually kind of interesting that they would have done something like that, but I wasn't aware of it. Oh, yeah. It was in their software section, just like at uh, Target and Walmart uh, once okay. upon a time uh, back in the like the early 90s. Uh, I think it was more electronics boutique back then. Uh, at, at least it would have been here where we live. Right, right. Yeah, because it was an EB Games at one point in time, and then it was GameStop after, after right. the whole buyout thing. Yeah, so... 
GameStop getting into it is interesting, but of course, a lot of it that's driving it is all of the investment craze into GameStop at the beginning of last year. And it's funny to say last year. It doesn't feel like we're already in 2022, but that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> but a lot of this has been driven by that massive investment push that happened at the beginning of 2021. And from what they have said, um, at least according to here, so I got an article up from The Verge. Uh, it says that the, the company has built up an over 20-person strong team working on an online marketplace for the virtual items, which could include cosmetic skins and in-game items. The company is said to be courting game developers and publishers to list NFTs on its marketplace and hopes to ink deals with crypto companies to develop the underlying technology and help invest in games featuring NFT and blockchain uh, blockchain tech. Excuse me. So GameStop basically wants to get into that that marketplace of being able to house NFTs, to sell NFTs, to purchase NFTs, and to be, be able to, at least probably from the sale part, uh, the sale and retention part is probably to make a cut, of course, on whatever it is that happens to it. That like you want to list an NFT up on GameStop's marketplace. Well, they're going to take a, a 4% cut of whatever the sales are on that based on the price you actually put in on the sale for that NFT. Is that, that that's about what I'm thinking that it could be, right? That's the way it sounds. Yeah, because I'm looking I, at the rest of this here. I just. Hmm. I don't know. Because um, I guess one of the things, especially with GameStop more than anything, is that GameStop has been having problems trying to appeal to certain markets anyway. They they just seem to have lost their groove in what like they originally were. They lost all of their focus, of course, on a lot of the used games, especially because people are buying things digitally now, though, too. Um, they originally had acquired ThinkGeek, but they've since closed ThinkGeek down, and they've incorporated more of the pop culture stuff into their stores. Uh, we've also had all of the pressure in the last couple of years on GameStop employees and selling, you know, like upselling, of course, on the the GameStop, what is it, the, the pro player subscription, whatever it is, and they've just been kind of hemorrhaging their way into a point where they need to figure out what to do next. And this kind of feels in line with something that they would potentially do. But the problem well, though, especially you think about the, the traction of where the business has gone as of late, uh, even transitioning back to where EB games was in, in the early mid nineties, uh, selling computer parts, selling computer software. It's its like a paradigm shift where they're moving back to that um, just because a lot of content is going digital. So now all of a sudden they have to also move some of their in-store content to being a digital front as well. Yeah, and that's like that's one of those interesting things for them especially is that they have to make those those adaptations because – a lot of stuff in the environment that they were used to, they just were not properly ready for. And I think one of the first shocks to their system uh, that they, you know, that they probably look back on, it's like that probably could have been the catalyst for us to start considering things like this if if things were a little bit more developed was when uh, Microsoft had announced for the Xbox One about their whole, uh, like, I don't, I'm trying to think of how exactly to say it here. It was when they announced the Xbox One and they were talking about exactly how games were going to work on the Xbox One, specifically as it relates to uh, not necessarily used games per se, but how the game was actually supposed to be read on the Xbox itself. 
uh, in regards to like the actual digital ownership of it and that um, the way licenses were picked up instead is that you didn't even necessarily need to have the disc anyway. It kind of really pushed more towards the digital frontier that we're in now with buying mm-hmm. games. If, if you understand where I'm going with that is that oh, that yeah, should have definitely. been a, that should have been a shock to, I think, GameStop system at that point in time. But the technology for what uh, was going on, of course, you know, with with Bitcoin, really. And of course, the blockchain stuff was very, very, very little, if I'm right. You know, I mean, there were people who were spending 30,000 Bitcoin just to get a pizza. And now, of course, we can't even imagine having one Bitcoin in our possession. Right. But that that was very early on, of course. And, you know, who would have known known that, you know, the Bitcoin would have been worth that much uh, 10, 50, you know, years ago or whatever it was when he, he actually bought those pizzas. But, I mean, just the idea, like... You think when you think GameStop, you think that you know that that's a store that a lot of kids are going to shop at, both kids and adults. And the fact that you're you know you're you're bringing children into the the whole crypto thing and the the whole blockchain experience with NFTs, it 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 seems a little absurd because all of a sudden you have someone that that's under the age of eighteen trading something that could be worth more than you know the house that the person behind the counter lives in true true it's definitely an evolving thing especially as you start to get the younger generation involved with a lot of these things too i mean this is stuff that they're not going to to be like turning a blind eye to i think is because this is kind of the next wave of of things just like for us when stuff like MySpace came out and that too, of course, it's like, it's the next thing that mm-hmm. is going to end up changing stuff, but we don't know exactly how it's going to change it yet. So with a lot of that said though, I mean, GameStop is different in the sense that they're a retailer and that they are trying to set up some sort of retail marketplace backed by a publicly traded company that deals in NFTs. And I don't think anything like that exists. However, the game publishers and game developers are really starting to take hold on some of it too. Like there's this article here from Game Informer that talks about probably the more notorious one, at least as of late, maybe. Well, I don't know because the three other companies we've got on here are kind of like, or, or actually these three companies itself, Ubisoft, Konami, and Square Enix, they're kind of all hand in hand exactly with the chaos that's going on. But Ubisoft launched an actual platform already called Ubisoft Quartz, and it was in beta, but they, um, I don't know if they actually even shut it down. I think it's still up. It just doesn't seem like it actually did much of anything. Yeah, I believe it is still up. I want to say it's only on the PC version of uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Um, okay. But it, yeah, as long as, as far as I know, it is still going strong. I don't know if, yeah, anything's moved on it as of I was yet. Gonna, or... I mean, I don't know if I'd call it here, but it says here in this article from Game Informer, it says a report from Eurogamer reveals that Quartz digit re- uh, recipients have sold a total of just 15 of these NFTs. Just 15. That's it. Well, and that that's just it. Who's going to buy them? Um, and that that's another thing you... For for them to actually be traded, like I I don't know the the same way a uh, CS:GO skin would be traded, uh you know, it, there there has to be the demand for it first. 
Right. And I'm going to get into the CSGO skin stuff here in a little bit, especially as we talk about uh, Valve's response to NFTs as well. So we'll Mm -hmm. circle around to the CSGO stuff here in a little bit. But Ubisoft really kind of jumped out there because, yeah, they were really focused on their NFTs being in-game content, more so the cosmetic items. And Mm -hmm. the only problem, though, is that, like you said, is that if this is tied directly to PC, I don't know if Breakpoint has any sort of linked play between PC and console, but I would imagine that if it doesn't and you happen to play both versions, that means that the NFT that you've got on PC is not going to be visible on the console version, you know, unless there is some type of cloud sync. So it's like I bought it and I can't use it in this part, even though I own it. And it's just it's it seems like kind of a mix up situation. Yeah, and I think I I think that's one of the the issues that I I think we're going to have forthcoming uh, with some of the the NFTs, especially in the uh, game verse is there there are games that there aren't tied together. And what happens when that that game actually is done or say it doesn't necessarily take off um, right away and falls flat, but it, it did have an NFT market. What happens to your NFTs that you already spent money on when the servers go belly up or they close them? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, because one part of it especially is that I, I don't even think it's necessarily just things going belly up. Um, I'm going to refer back to what happened with the Amazon AWS outages last month where mm-hmm. an entire region's worth of connectivity was just gone. Now, imagine, especially with the issues that did exist, because, of course, if you want to decentralize, you're going to put it on someone else's system. You're going to, you're going to decentralize it in the sense that it's not regulated by any sort of uh, financial regulation, marketplace, things like that. But imagine, though, it's like you're using someone else's computer. What if AWS goes down and the way that those assets are being stored are like you could lose everything? You know, I mean, there's always that concern about it with especially crypto. Like you can store all of your crypto locally if you want, but then mm-hmm. – you know, you risk the problems in your own home. But again, you put all that stuff into a decentralized location on the cloud. Again, look what happened to AWS. It doesn't happen often, but there's that potential of something failing. Not just the company going belly up, but truly something failing in this decentralized environment that you could potentially lose your asset. It's going to be in the in the, the blockchain ledger that it's yours, but do you actually have it? Probably not. Yeah. What if the host completely disappears, you know, yeah. then then you're screwed. I mean, yeah, the blockchain says you have it, but if the host is gone, then do you really have it if it doesn't exist anymore? Yeah, that's exactly like that that's exactly it. That that's the thing. And that is, that's one of my issues I mean, bizarre. maybe with Quartz and with Ubisoft since it is centralized into, you know, Ubisoft servers that yeah. you know, maybe they can carry that content or, you know, that particular uh, skin to other things or other games, uh, since it is tied to game skins for the most part, uh, as from what I understand, or in-game items. So maybe you could transfer that in-game item to a different game. Because it is your item, you own it forever. As long as it's an Ubisoft game, you should have access to that item. So if you're playing a... I don't know, a uh, Splinter Cell game, or if you're playing a, you know, Ghost Recon game, or if if you're playing, you know, a Division game, you should be able to gain access to that that mask, that that gun skin that you purchased as an NFT 
from anywhere, whether it be on Xbox, PlayStation, or PC. Exactly. Because it, it's yours. You should have it. No, that that's exactly right, is that it's your it, – you own it. You should have it. And that that's just one of those things that we just seem to keep running into. Like here's another thing is that it was just yesterday – that Konami, uh, like th- this article here from Kotaku, Konami celebrates Castlevania's 35th anniversary with NFTs. And it even this is says, one that breaks my heart. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. So they say, let, let's see, this is from the president of Konami Holdings Corporation, uh, Kimihiko uh, Higashio. He says, what's more, with the evolution of technology such as AI, 5G, and NFTs, as well as the increasing recognition of esports as a sporting event, we expect the market to be revitalized by inventive new ways to enjoy games. And so apparently they're going to be doing four auctions here in January for Castlevania 35th anniversary NFTs. And they've got an example of one here on their website right now. I'm very perplexed by this, this thing here. What's really interesting, too, about the, the Konami NFTs is, number one, some of them don't even look that good. L- let's be real. It looks like some of them are just like a, a shadow version of a screen with a splash screen of text over it. What this one looks like here, this sample, do you have the Kotaku article open right now? I do, yeah. So the sample they have on here, this looks more like one of those... um 2d side-scrolling shadow boxes that some places make like the framed ones you can get for up on your wall um you know like they've made sonic ones mega man ones um oh like the one that i have that's castlevania exactly yeah that's what this really looks like is that someone made that and that this is literally a picture of that it's just it's just a red cube with a couple screenshots in here of of what appears to be the original uh castlevania for nes Right, and that that's another thing I was going to mention is um, I had heard uh, on another uh, source that the, the NFTs potentially could be stamped, well, the, the Castlevania ones anyway, could be stamped with a Konami and a Nintendo copyright, or a, a Konami copyright and a Nintendo trademark, excuse me. So how does it work to own a NFT that someone's already trademarked and copywritten? See, that's the interesting part, though, too. Yeah, especially for that cross, like, because it's not like Konami took Castlevania and then released it on a Konami console. No, it was on an NES. And then for every other subsequent console, a game is released on. Is that there are different licensing things that come down to it. Is that, yeah, that is yours, but you also have licensing agreements in there with those other, uh, with those console and and whatnot, you know, those owners there in regards to the actual NFT itself. So it's like, even Kotaku lists out some of the terms and conditions actually here of the way those NFTs work, which is interesting. Like, like here's one of them that they actually point out as being a, a crazy one. So it says, you will be entitled to have your desired nickname listed as the first purchaser of the NF- NFT on our website. If your nickname is socially unacceptable, your privileges in this campaign will be invalidated. Uh, it says here... Also, the purchaser's nickname will be displayed when Konami deems the nickname to be reasonable based on social standards. A nickname containing information that can be used to identify a specific individual is unacceptable. So I guess your nickname can't identify someone else. Okay. Uh, Let's see. In the event Konami determines that the purchaser will illegally or inappropriately use the NFT, 
illegally or inappropriately, the purchaser will lose the right to receive the benefits. So Konami, a Japanese company where Japanese culture is definitely way more strict in regards to appearances and presentation, has the ability to not only sell you something and for you to have pure ownership of it, but has the potential to take it away from you if something about the way you use that NFT or the name that's tied to the NFT is inappropriate. Wow. I can't imagine owning stock in a company. And let's just say I say something bad about that company on um, on Twitter for whatever reason. Or let's and say just that keep your money and or, take or away let's your say ownership. that instead of it saying, you know, this stock is oh, th- these 10 shares of stock are owned by Travis, you know, instead, let, let's say that it uses a, 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 a nickname like I'm I'm throwing this out there just as an example. Like, let's say like these 10 shares are owned by poopy butthole 69 420 swag yellow. OK, obviously here in the United States and just about everywhere else, people are probably going to just be like, oh, God, OK, that's kind of who we expect to own this stuff. Konami, on the other hand is going to see something like that and be like, that does not meet our standards. So the NFT we just sold you, we're not going to put up on there and you can't own it anymore. But do you get your money back though? Right. That, that's the only thing that these like terms and conditions, like, at least the sections that they show here, don't actually talk about. But again, these are these are cherry-picked ones that Kotaku put up. That's just interesting that the fact though that they decide to specifically call it out. And I'm just, I, I'm still perplexed by that. But, of course, too, is that even outside of Konami's attempt to do it, and I swear to God, we talked about this before we started recording, I really hope we don't get a Metal Gear NFT craze going either, because I'm sure Hideo Kojima... Oh, I'm sure it's coming. Metal Gear, Contra, just wait. uh, I don't know how Kojima would actually feel about it. I hate to say it, but NFTs really do kind of feel like they're in his wheelhouse, and for Metal Gear to be getting it, maybe without him being around might seem more like a kick in the face, but it does kind of actually seem more like his, his next thing potentially, like for the way he gets into stuff. I mean, it, it, it's possible. Um, I, he's talked a lot about um, working, you know, with the cloud uh, on the next game, you know, the cloud being a big, a big portion of it. Um, and I, I think he's mentioned stuff about blockchain before, but I don't know if he, if he's really dove into that too much. So it, it'd be hard to say, but I, I I don't know. I I see Konami doing this, and it, it's just them taking another ignorant risk. I mean, they got lucky, I think, with the pachinko parlor thing just because pachinko is so big in Japan and mm-hmm. you know they had had successful licenses to work with um drawing off that success um i i don't think nfts is the way to go but i i like i said i th- it goes back to i really don't think we should be putting you know things that you know kids love you know why why are we doing this? Why are we destroying these things with with this? So but yeah. I, I don't know. That that's just my thought. No, I don't know necessarily if destroy is the right word, but because it doesn't like, feel like preservation. No, it really doesn't. It it almost feels like more like shoddy copies than anything else. Like like you know, here in our mall, we I, I don't know when the last like when was the last time you actually set foot in our mall? 
Oh man, uh, briefly right before Christmas. Did you happen to go by the center part of the mall and happen to see that t-shirt shop that was set up there in the center making just I custom did. t-shirts? That's about how yeah. this feels, is that the stuff that they're printing on those t-shirts is not things that they own the rights to. And so it's a cheap knockoff of something that has a graphic for something because every single thing that they have around that, like the tables that they're using to sell stuff, is just basically, oh, let's yeah. go on the internet, look for a ping of this, you know, shamelessly a, a ping rip it off. Of and this. Yeah, exactly. And put then it stamp on it something. on. Exactly. Exactly. That's how some of this actually feels, is that everybody's jumping on it because like, oh, it's the newest thing. And look at all these people making money off of it. It's like, it's like, that's not everybody. That's just literally a small, that, that's a minority of people who are getting involved with this that have the money to burn, to be able to, to make that risk. I can't do it. You can't do it. The majority of people can't do it, but it's obviously becoming something that's driving everybody else crazy. Now, with that even said though, is that Square Enix hasn't started anything yet, but their president uh, Yosuke Matsuda did actually step up and at least say that it's apparently like the next thing for like in a major trend for the games industry. According to Video Games Chronicle here, where they summarize some of the stuff, uh, he's uh, the article says here, the president said he believed that blockchain games hold the potential to enable self-sustaining game growth by pushing a play to earn concept. Uh, he also acknowledged cynicism around blockchain from some corners, but claimed that it could attract a new audience. Hmm. So with that part of it, though, is that it's like he's acknowledging at least that there's there's the potential for it at least coming up. But he hasn't engaged in anything, though, to say, like, here's what Square Enix is going to be offering. He recognizes that... Uh, they're going to start probably working towards it, but they haven't done anything yet. Cause it says here towards the end of the article that it's a major strategic theme for us starting in 2022. So they're at least going to start really looking at it. We may not have a game this year, but who knows? I mean, maybe you'll get a cloud strife NFT or something like that. Kyle. I don't know. Nah, Sephiroth, <laughs> a Sephiroth, the one winged angel, but no, just that Nebelheim burning. <laughs> if I can own that one, that that would be awesome. Anytime someone uses my image, I want money. <laughs> in reality, you probably could license it out in some way or form, you know? Right. See, and that that that's one thing. It is if someone wanted to use a digital version, and, and this is where it gets a little confusing too, is if there's a print version of that image, that can't necessarily affect something in the blockchain because it's not digital artwork. However, if someone were to use a digital image, if it were altered, it also would not affect your rights to the image. Yeah, I, I, effectively. You know, you'd have to actually go through all the hoops and ev everything to alter the metadata, which simple enough. I mean, you throw it into a like Photoshop or something. And, and that, that's a whole other monster in it itself, going through all the hoops to try and, you know, prove that your nft was used in in something you know or someone used your nft as an image for something right i mean but that that's that's kind of yeah. off subject so no, no no you're you're fine you're fine because it does relate back to the gaming stuff anyway though too because you're gonna have all of the you're gonna have all these different things like of course the big focus right now that we've seen so far from uh from nft related items in games is focused on in-game cosmetics now, 
let's kind of move on here because that's where this is this is where get, things get interesting is because this ties back to what you were alluding to earlier with Valve and CS:GO. So mm-hmm. let's talk about this part first here because then what you're getting like like what we're really getting into is what games are really looking at doing for NFTs, but it's something that Valve's already doing but they don't call it an NFT. So Valve back in October updated the Steamworks dev terms of service and rules for people who publish games on Steam to say that they will not allow any games that have uh, that are tied to the blockchain or have NFTs. They won't allow it at all. And their concern about it, though, according to the information here, um, let's see. I think there was something here. Um, yeah, so apparently this developer for a game called, uh, let's see, it looks like Age of Rust. Um, is the game uh, they tried to publish on steam but they were told no and apparently according to steam according to what they say here in their tweet from october steam's point of view is that items have value and they don't allow items that can have real world value on their platform so what they're saying there is that an nft of course does have real world value that i can go pay you know 20 bucks for an nft and i can resell it to get 20 dollars back you know 20 dollars i can spend on wherever else Right. That that's one of those things that Valve has a problem with, and I think it comes down to two things more so with Valve than anything is that one, obviously, of course, they don't necessarily have anything physical in their environment anyway that they sell through the storefront, save for uh, their their VR equipment, their, their VR headsets, and of course, formerly the Steam Link, the Steam controller, soon enough to be uh, Steam Deck, you know, all of that's through there. But they don't sell anything else physical through Steam. Everything is all like everything is digital because they do that, though, and because get, blockchain stuff and NFTs um, are all specifically things that are decentralized. It means that Valve doesn't have control over it like they do with everything else on their platform. Do you get where I'm going? Mm. Mm-hmm. Some of the bigger complaints, though, of course, that some people think. Uh, some of it came down to esteem. I really think it's those couple things, but a lot of people argue against NFTs and the blockchain stuff because as it comes all down to the way crypto is handled, is it all comes back down to the environmental impact and the carbon footprint. Because a study just came out that um, cryptocurrency mining throughout the course of 2021 undid all of the work that electric vehicles did to offset carbon uh, through the same period uh, and even went above that. So mining Bitcoin and Ethereum and all those other cryptocurrencies and maintaining that system ate up more energy and caused more problems for the climate than, you know, than what was offset by an electric vehicle. It's insane. That's a big deal for a lot of companies now. Uh, I mean, but, you know, the the facilities that the that people put in the the, or the, the huge crypto mining facilities, I should say, that people install, you know, in into into these buildings they they give off a lot of heat. They eat up a lot of power. They eat up a lot of you know a lot of resources just in general. Yeah, but they they put off a lot of of pollution as far as heat and you know just waste. So yeah, absolutely. Like that, that's exactly it. I don't think it's necessarily the heat part itself, but it's like well, it has to be the heat because it has to be dissipated again and put back out there anyway mm-hmm. through some sort of cooling system. So you're eating up more electricity, not only mining for this stuff, but keeping things cool. It's just, yeah, it's monotonous when it comes to the actual 
carbon footprint of what cryptocurrency is. And that's a problem for a lot of companies, but I really think it comes down to those couple of things with Valve, but because of what you were alluding to with CSGO, and we can mm-hmm. also throw in Team Fortress 2 and Dota, um, and even if you want to put in all the different trading cards for like all the different things you get though too, is that Steam in one form or another, or Valve, excuse me, does dabble in NFTs within their own marketplace with and within their own system to a point. And that happens to be their the, the whole skin and uh, trading card environment in those games. Mm-hmm. That I can own a skin for a gun in Counter-Strike Global Offensive, and that skin has no real-world value to me necessarily in the sense that it's like, okay, it's on my gun, it looks cool, I can move on. But they have a marketplace, and my current library of weapons, I think, is probably around maybe 30 bucks total. But it's still worth something. and you, It is. Regardless if you paid money for it or won it in a tournament or it was giving, given to you in a pack or something, you still got those in one way or another. Right. And I can resell those if I want to. If I don't want the skin anymore, I can resell that through the Steam Marketplace. The problem, though, and where this is differing from the NFT part of it itself, is that that's not money I can withdraw to go spend elsewhere. I have to spend it back in the Steam Marketplace. I currently have like a buck twenty-five sitting in my Steam wallet right now from a couple, I think, CSGO cases I sold. I'm not going to be using that for anything yet because I haven't found a game that I want to buy for a buck twenty-five. You know, maybe in the next sale, I'll I'll find something. But it's a buck twenty-five. I can't do anything with. I can't go down the street to go get a drink from the from the uh, convenience store. I can't take it with me and and use it for something else. I can't do it. So even with all of that, it's that Valve is dabbling in NFTs in some form because all those skins do exist, but each of them have their own value to them. And I, I think it's pretty easy to see, of course, that it is assigned to you, especially when you're in the game because you have the skin on your weapon. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, when if you die and someone goes and picks up your weapon, it actually says your gamer tags, you know, gamer tags, not necessarily like AR-15 or anything, or they don't even have an AR-15, but... Uh, you, you know, what I'm getting at this is this is this is my gamer tags AK-47. No, it, if it's got a right. skin on it, it's going to say my gamer tags blue mist, you know, blue mist extreme, whatever. I don't know what uh, the name of a skin off the top of my head. But, I get you. I, yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just uh, uh, agreeing with you. Like, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's. I just I've been talking a lot here. That's why I was kind of opening it up to you a little bit more there too. So, I, I'm just saying is that it's like they. They seem a little hypocritical on that point, though, but I really think it comes down more so to the actual control of the back-end system than it does more so actually accepting that. Yeah, I think it's the fact that it's a closed marketplace, and, you know, they don't open that marketplace to anybody else that, you know, they have full and utter control over it, and the fact that, like you said, you, you can't withdraw that money once you sell that skin Either you can buy more skins, you can buy cards, or you can buy games. And it, it's pretty much stuck on Steam, and that that's that. Right. I think where the only difference, though, is that um, there are a majority of games that have, like, like a lot of the free-to-play games that have in-game purchases that don't rely on Steam as the actual in-app purchase system. So like right. things like Splitgate, Halo Infinite, Apex Legends... 
just just to name a couple, those have the ability to buy in-game currency or in-game things, but you don't have to use Steam as the actual in-app purchase system like you do, say, for an app on your iPhone or your Android device where you end up having to use the the App Store or Google Play Store to actually be able to to fulfill that purchase. You know, you don't have to do that. You go directly to the devs, the publishers, to actually make that happen. So it's it's interesting, of course, that that's technically allowed, but in the same sense that they haven't opened it up. And that's why I was looking at kind of like where where Valve was at is that more so on the control side than it was more so of the liability part. See, and here here's where I, I'd like to move on from the Valve thing too, is one of the big things with Valve is when when you purchase a game you're you're purchasing the license but you're not necessarily purchasing the license you're you're purchasing the license for the period of your lifetime correct that's my understanding it, it's a non-transferable token um and as far as i know an ntt the, yeah right um so <laughs> sorry i had to throw I, another I mean, acronym it, for potentially all this shit. Yeah, it'd be the same thing as a non-transferable token, right? But uh, the, as far as I know, the same thing goes for you know the Nintendo eShop, Microsoft's Marketplace, or Sony's Marketplace you know, for for either any of their game stores. But here's the thing: if they start enabling the ability to put NFTs on games, all of a sudden, those marketplaces. That means you have to have utter ownership of your digital content. It's no longer a rental service for the your lifespan. It's a transferable ownership token. You can take your profile, you can give it to someone else, and in a hundred years, they should be able to, if you know servers are still up for it, be able to play any of the games you purchased a hundred years prior. Yeah, I. 100% agree with you on that and, exact you know thing. if you give it to your grandchildren all of a sudden your grandchildren can play i don't know uh, ghost recon uh europa in in the year 2100 with your quartz mask that you purchased in the year 2022 Exactly. No, you are 100% hitting the nail on the head. And I mean, I only think that the only revolution that's going to come up is that if Steam actually starts to kind of allow any of that sort of stuff, but we don't have any like any current existing environment set up like that that allow for that to occur. And I think it's funny because Steam actually has the closest marketplace that would actually allow it to exist but they have it on lockdown that they're the ones that are being the smartest about it. All these other ones are jumping in to the, the, this, this pond that they don't know how deep it is and they don't know what they're getting into. And the other funny part of it though, too, is that it, it, it almost harkens back to when rocket league inadvertently enabled crossplay for PlayStation users to be able to play with, it was either PC users or Xbox users and it was like they just flipped the switch and it just worked. Mm-hmm. It's exactly like that situation is that that's exactly where Valve is sitting at is that they have the marketplace. They have the resources. They have the tools. They have the storage and they have the computing power to be able to handle something like this. But they're not doing it, though, because they have been able to 
come to the realization, of course, that they need to be more open about allowing these sort of transfers between the, the different systems and to allow for that ownership to carry over to whatever platform you choose. But it doesn't just come down to them. It also comes to the people who put the content on their platform in the first place. It has to be enabled by them to be able to allow it for then Valve to be able to handle the actual transition and transfer part behind the scenes. Otherwise, you're going to end up in that position where nobody's going to know what to do. That, that's, that's the bigger problem is that the mechanisms in place to move a game from one system to another is just not there. And that's part of it going just through the age of, of what we've had for gaming ever since, you know, we first started playing video games as kids is that I could not take super Mario world for the super Nintendo and shove it into a Sega, uh, Sega master system. I couldn't just take it and just slot it right in and just play it. I can't do that. That's the exact same premise you're seeing here with some of that is that mm-hmm. that behind the scenes system doesn't, technically exist yet yeah i i don't know i think they're they're a lot closer than than anyone thinks though to to it just being able to work like like it did with rocket league just being able to go in and flip on the switch and go okay here you go you know it 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 would just work but and and I, I think it's just the, the advances in, in the uh, programming tech that we've had recently, you know, especially that's allowed that to exist, that's allowed us to continue on services. Like you look at Final Fantasy uh, with, what is it, uh, 14, I think? That, yeah, that, 14's I, it, the current MMO. Yeah, it, it's just blown up again. Yeah, As it really recently, has. To the point where, you know, there's two-hour wait times to even play the game. And I don't know, it it, it just, you look at that and it it helps push it, but I don't know. No, you're right though. You're, you're like, what you're talking about is definitely it is that it's like, it it feels like it's there. And and I kind of can say that I feel like we're kind of close to it anyway, because let's take our, our more recent, like, you know, uh, time waster right now, which is Halo Infinite multiplayer, is that mm-hmm. I can play that game on PC and cross play with people who have picked up the game on Steam. You know, I've got it through Game Pass on my PC, and I can play against people that are on Xbox. And if I wanted to change over to my Xbox Series X and play Halo Infinite, all of my progression, all of my skins, all of my unlocks, everything has carried over to the Xbox version as well. So those, well, obviously you can't classify them as NFTs because everybody's basically got the same thing and access to the same stuff. Right. It, it follows about like what you could almost consider as the same mechanism. <clears throat> However, Microsoft controls the PC side of things for playing this stuff. Microsoft is obviously the parent company that controls over Xbox anyway. So obviously that stuff could go hand in hand as is. I'm just saying is that it's just using it as an example that the, you know, that that something like that feasibly exists, but it, it exists in the hands of those those companies that can control both sides of the equation, if, if you catch my mm-hmm. drift. Well, and it, it's funny, you know, we were, we were talking about Steam 2, uh, and I, I, I said moving away from it a minute ago, but kind of dabbling back on or moving back onto it. Uh, you know, Steam has the power to give and take games away. You think about it, you you can play a game for upwards of up just about 2 hours sometimes or, you know, for or own it for like 2 weeks and still get a refund on it. 
Um, that that also gives them the power to, you know, say I don't know, allow people that have game licenses that don't exist anymore they they can't sell anymore to sell the license that they had as you know their nft or whatever basically to someone else on the marketplace so they they could play that game if they wanted all of a sudden that that digital market front for for gaming exists because steam set the precedent for it you know laying the groundwork for nfts and you know digital content to work that way yeah, and kind of thinking about it too, especially on some of that classic stuff though, is is it makes me think back to when Warcraft 3 Reforged dropped and it replaced your original copy of Warcraft 3 mm-hmm. in your Battle.net account. So you couldn't go back and play that original version of Warcraft 3. You were stuck in Warcraft 3 Reforged and that drove a lot of ire and a controversy for people who were expecting to be able to have both versions of the game. So, yeah, you're absolutely right, is that a a storefront owner, a dev, a publisher can make that decision without any input from anybody else in the community just because that's that's their choice to do so. We saw the same thing with Rockstar when they re-released with, or when they did the remastered versions of Grand Theft Auto 3, Vice City, and San Andreas. They mm-hmm. removed from sale, but then, of course, they went back on it. They removed from sale the original versions of those games. So... Yeah, it's exactly there is that, yeah, at any point in time, you could lose access to that stuff or without your knowing, you could have your original version replaced by something else that ends up being inferior to the original. And that that's right. a problem, though, in the marketplace. And I think that's where it moves into this last kind of like note I had in here article wise about um, NFTs. And it's actually from Xbox head Phil Spencer. So Games Radar had this, had this article written up back in November. And uh, it was talking about an interview that Phil Spencer did with Axios. And what he said here is, what I'd say today on NFT all up is I think there's a lot of speculation and experimentation that's happening. And that some of the creative that I see today feels more exploitive than about entertainment. So he thinks that, you know, he thinks that it's um, exploitive and that he thinks it's, a problem. It's like they he even says later down here in the, the article, part of this that they quote is they say, we don't want that kind of content. He doesn't want to basically use NFTs and the craze that people are going through to exploit the players, to basically jump on the bandwagon for making this digital content and trying to earn a quick buck. He, he doesn't want to do anything like that. And I'm very grateful that at least we have someone in the industry that says they're going to keep an eye on things but that they feel that the marketplace is not at a point now to start introducing stuff like this. And I, I'm thankful for that. Oh yeah, definitely. Like I, and I, I hope that he, you know, maybe can, can be a voice for some of the industry to, to kind of look at and say, you know, maybe he he's on to something maybe this isn't such a good idea and they they can still back out before it becomes too late you know or becomes too too much of a thing that you know it, people can ex exploit other people you know just over an item and and it's not even not necessarily the the power of an item it's just the visual of an item you know i i can sell someone to someone and become more wealthy or whatever just 
because of something they want in game. It, it I don't know. It, it's it's silly. It's 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 assigning value to something that that's non tangible. Right. It's because everything fluctuates so wildly in the crypto space anyway. NFTs are the exact same way. Is that like me with my crypto investment? I have lost. I've lost plenty of value on my crypto investment. You know, I tried to keep mm-hmm. an eye on it. I tried to dabble, but I've lost it. But I'm not in dire straits after having lost what I've lost. It was a very small amount. But where I see, at least on the gaming front, for the potential protection of those gamers, is that obviously, of course, Konami and Ubisoft and Square Enix talking about things. I have a real suspicion that a lot of their emphasis on nft related stuff is going to be truly focused on the pc space especially as we Mm -hmm. saw there in those statistics about esports players who really or esports um gamers the ones who really enjoy like the esports scene you know as being those who might be more aligned with actually purchasing nfts but i see on the console side of things probably more of the protection that we kind of need especially in this space more than anything because at the end of it granted yes pc gaming is really going up especially because it's not as hard to build a pc or to acquire a gaming pc and to be off and running but you still have the majority playing on console and if nintendo and sony and microsoft can all be right there as the gatekeepers for all of this to say you know we understand what the market trend is going to be we understand how lucrative this could potentially be for our business, but the risk versus reward on this, especially with our, our player base, it's just not there. And that's really what I'm seeing from what Phil Spencer had said is that he's really trying to say that we just, this is not just to make a quick buck. We, we can't do this. We'll keep an eye on it, but it's just something we can't do. And I think that's really what we need is we need them to act as the, the gatekeepers, the blockade to help really kind of make sure that, whatever does get introduced with nfts especially whatever becomes kind of the true foundational stuff for nfts and gaming is is properly put under control otherwise we're going to see things run amok in the gaming world well and i i'd really like for you know the the companies that have said they they'd like to start the nfts uh square konami so on and so forth, to to come forward and say who their target audience really is. Is it the player? Is it the collector? Is it your esports entrepreneur that that's looking to neck make their next buck af- after they they're they break off the scene? Because you know an, an esports athlete only has a certain span or you know a lifespan career of you know so many years. Before you're you're knocked off the circuit by the next youngest, hottest guy, you know that 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 can, you know, get his headshots twice as fast as you. Yeah, you know. Oh, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why it's like the esports stuff is definitely there because outside of coaching and commentating, yeah, these esports players don't really have anything else to fall back on. So, you know, unless they actually go back to school or they've already got the education in place, but yeah, you're absolutely. So, who right. is the target audience? Like, that, w- what are we selling these things for? Are we selling them for people to become rich, you know, by the time they're they're out of high school? Or are we selling them to to the uh, 30-something adults that remember these images from their childhood? Or, you know, are we 
are we selling them to these esports athletes so they have something to fall back on when they're you know they're out of their career and you know if co- coaching doesn't work what wh- who's our audience yeah i i really agree there, with that there's a that lot there's of just... speculation and yeah. a lot a lot of questions to be raised with the whole subject still and i i i definitely think it's more than we have have time to cover Agreed. And maybe it's something we might have to hit back up on a, later on in the year, maybe to close out the year and see where where this has uh, transpired as far as the uh, Ubisoft, Square, and Konami situation has come, and especially with GameStop now joining the fray. Yeah, because I, I actually think you're right, is I think it's really kind of tough to look at the future on what NFTs could actually become for this, because... While it might be the future, at least in the eyes of these of these gaming publishers, and of course with what GameStop is is really like whatever they're working towards, the current environment is a very shotgun approach based method, like or at least that's the method that they're taking, is that they're just trying to see exactly what gets hit out there. They're taking a they're just taking a blind approach to it just to see what's going to stick and how people are reacting to what sticks. So mm-hmm. It's really kind of tough to exactly decipher what the future of NFTs could be in this part. I mean, like, what? It, what is GameStop going to sell the cryptocurrency to buy the NFT? Is is Square going to sell in-game items or you know maybe art for your your castle in in uh, in Final Fantasy Castle? Or it, it sounds like Konami is selling artwork of Castlevania, while Ubisoft has taken the approach of in-game items that are potentially serialized with numbers so yeah and i like while we're gonna see more of the investment i think in the nft space uh from the the private industry more than anything startups and of course your big corporations who are trying to figure out what to do i'm gonna close out with saying that I really see more of the emphasis on things with nfts is not necessarily just about ownership of just of a piece of artwork of a, of a monkey wearing a fireman's hat or a monkey wearing a police hat. You know, it's not that is that I see it really that this is where things are being experimented at, but they're going to transition to more towards of like more towards what we see in the public sector than anything else is that, is that I know of course we're all talking about gaming stuff here, but it's going to take the private industry to try to figure out what to do with it. But it's going to be the public sector that might end up having more value with it than we could see potentially in the gaming space. Like, I don't want an NFT for a cosmetic. I don't want an NFT for for a, a piece of digital artwork because it just it doesn't make sense to me at this point in time. On the public sector side of things, NFTs for you know your identification, uh, for your for your bus pass, your transit pass, uh, your identification or, or your your access to. Um, you know, different venues, different areas, things like that, is that because, you know, your state ID and, and the ID number that's on it is is technically an NFT in the sense, I mean, obviously you can't go sell your ID, but it's tied to you. That if they go up and look your number up in their database, especially like, let's say you get pulled over, all of that information is there. It's the same with like your insurance company. They're going to have your ID information there on file too. And it's the same like with your social security number. You know, I see more of the the blockchain technology helping out more behind the scenes in the public sector, you know, to be more for like the greater good and actually put some of that to use than 
with whatever potentially the gaming thing is going to be. And that's why it's like it's 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 easier for me to see what can happen for the regular person with NFTs and blockchain technology. But in the gaming space, it's tougher to predict what the future is going to be because everybody's rushing so quick to do something. I I fully agree. Um, the the shotgun approach, I think, has left people scrambling um, to understand what's going on and how you know the the year is going to progress, as especially in in the world of gaming. Um, and I I think for for any company to make it work i i i think they need to be very forward about what their actual goal is to achieve uh to the public um immediately you know before they make any more announcements of you know joining this this strange new trend that that so many people are only discovering as of yet exactly and i think that's where we wrap up this first episode of 2022 for the NPCs Discuss. That, of course, was us talking about NFTs and gaming. So with that, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to this week's NPCs Discuss. If you are a member of the video game industry, whether you are a developer, a publisher, a content creator, anything there that deals with gaming itself, we'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to join us for one of these episodes, please drop us a line on our social media or to our business email, thenpcs.business at gmail.com, and we will get back with you when an episode topic becomes available that you may be a part of. Of course, with everything that goes on here with the NPCs, we do have, of course, our social media. So be sure to go check us out on Facebook and Twitter at the NPCs Podcast, where we post all the different links to things that we do have going on. Of course, be sure to check out the podcast itself. If you're listening on your favorite podcast platform of choice, be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button so you know when episodes become available. Or if you need to find a platform, go check us out on our homepage, anchor.fm slash the dash NPCs dash podcast. Again, thank you so much, everybody, for joining Kyle and I. We will catch you all in the next episode. Laters.